Welcome to the Tattoos with Intention podcast, unpacking the tattoo paradigm. I'm your host, Mark Nara, and today I'm having a conversation with Shug, also known as Bhagavan Das. He's been a full-time Sadak yogi of an unbroken lineage for 26 years now. He lives in a hermitage for intense spiritual practice in the remote mountains of the main area of USA. What he does with his tattooing aims to benefit the world, to identify which is real, and to encourage the seed of humane actions that exist through the power of emanations. With a very, very strong background in the yogic traditions, he's bridged the world of tattooing and his spiritual path, and so we're going to have a conversation and and open that up. I hope you enjoy. So thanks for being here, Shug. It's nice to actually get to have a chat with you. I was saying earlier that you reached out via Instagram, sent me a message in 2020, and we threw a couple of messages back and forth and connected in that way and acknowledged what each other was doing and that we were giving each other a little bit of inspiration on other sides of the world. So that was really nice. I appreciate you for reaching out back then. But yeah, so... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was nice to know that you were there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, like three years, a lot's changed in that time. But yeah, so basically, let's start with just introducing exactly what it is that you do and who you are. You said you've been practicing full time for about 26 years now in the the lineage of yogic tradition that you're part of. What is that mm-hmm. tradition and what's yeah. the backstory there? Yeah, so something I came to when I was about 20 years old And just, I think as a young person, like a lot of young people nowadays, and and even then in the eighties and nineties, it was like kind of seeing where the world is and just being pretty dissatisfied with the status quo and the kind of current trends of things and looking for something deeper, more meaningful that kind of applied to our, I don't know, bigger purpose in in life, not just our purpose in relation to our, our careers and our titles. And I think that tied into kind of in that time. And at least for me, just becoming really aware of like where the world was at actually in its actual, the the sense of the earth, its, its organism and sort of devastation that human life was, was having on the planet. And I don't know how I would have articulated it then. I think it was more just like an internal energy experience of like, oh, something's really wrong. And I feel like, of course, yeah, I'm a part of this and I don't want to be. So what do I do kind of thing? Yeah. So yeah, through that experience, traveling ended up just feeling like I needed to come home, which is, was then and is now currently in the state of Maine in the United States and met through some interesting circumstances, who is now my guru and just heard about the real, like, I'd say roots of what yoga is before it became fragmented into the modern way of, of the Westernized yeah. world of yoga, if you will, or compartmentalized into different categories. If you looked back, even in like scriptures and textbooks of the past, the ideas of like yogis living in ashrams and families, not just as monastic renunciates, but actual that householder lifestyle, the ancient rishis, they see these beautiful like Indian miniature paintings of, and they're all sitting around like big banyan tree with 
all these people underneath and kind of living in this natural sense and families and interacting in this way of understanding their relationship to the cosmos through these ancient mystical practices and then having like a true connection to what human beings are here to do. And so that kind of, I'd say, drew me in in a huge way of saying, okay, there's something here just by the thought of it, the the visual imagery of it and the small experiences I'd had of yoga, just giving that kind of like immediate experience of like, there's something to this that helps you connect with that, I don't know, say altruistic identity of yourself as a human being on this planet before anything else. So in the largest way possible, that's the way that the approach of yoga at the ashram is to really draw back to that essential nature of yoga from its original inception. Okay. Okay. So that's where you're living now. You came across it back then and you're, mm-hmm. you're still living there now. And you're saying that's, uh, it's like a hermitage mm-hmm. for intense spiritual I'm practice. still there now. Yeah. 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 And it's up in the mountains, hey? It is correct. We have people come and visit from all over the place. There's like a whole retreat facility there. It, like I said, it's an ashram. So it's like a small village. People in the mountains got about 150 acres of land and we're all 100% off grid. So Amazing. there's no, we're not tied in, no grid tie in. Yeah. So a little bit of solar power, but hand pumps, water, chop wood, that type of lifestyle. Well, how, how wholesome. That's lovely. I've yeah. only done a little bit of time living like that, setting up in the bush and grabbing water from the creek, chopping wood. And I think I did about three months living like that. And it was profound being off grid, but also like your mind just being disconnected from everything. You know, it was the disconnection from the world more than like being off grid, the power and the water thing. It was just mm. like more that there was no, no layers of density mm. being projected onto me. My mind was, my mind was unencumbered by the world. That was the best thing. Definitely. Yeah. And so in that original message, when we were talking, I went through and I pulled a couple of things out that I think will give us a lot of direction and some really nice insights for people listening. And you were saying that what you were doing in terms of merging your yogic and spiritual practice and path and way of life with tattooing was you wanted to benefit Mm -hmm. the world by identifying that which is real. And I'm all about the real as well. And it's been a a big pursuit of mine, like what Mm. is and what isn't, especially in the space of spiritual development and tattooing, like who we are and recording who we are in our skin. So what's that look like for you, identifying that which is real? Yeah, I think kind of in in line of what I was saying, I think yoga is just such a profound and interesting and in-depth practice and study and in a sense in in a very true sense it's a it's a real clear science that's based on logic and reasoning and i think like when all this comes from i'd say my 26 years of experience and having that lineage and that guru connection the identity of like what is a human being it's like if you think about all other species on this planet they have like a, a pretty clear intrinsic purpose identity everything type of food that they eat actions that they do and these actions and what they do and produce and in the bigger spectrum of thing they're all beneficial they help do something to create balance or to remove something that's not necessary or add something that's necessary you look at humans kind of like what's our real contribution what's our real purpose and kind of like 
from afar, if you step back, it has like, obviously we all know from different walks of life, we can say pretty similar conclusions, a lot of chaos and a lot of, a lot of discord and doesn't seem like we're in harmony with other beings and in relation to the whole planet. Mm -hmm. So that idea and those principles that come from yoga in the sense of like the practices helping a human being to purify those obscurations and those imbalances that are coming from like the stuff you said, it's like, what, what is this world consciousness that's like so hard to remove yourself from, but then like you get out into like, you're saying the bush or out back away from what society is, is putting forth and there becomes some clarity and you can start removing these layers that are essentially in and of themselves, not even from like a perspective of negativity. It's not like when you say toxicity, it, it, it does have a negative connotation, but also it's like, they're just things that are there, they're impediments, right? And when we remove those, it's like, you get to see what really is before you add these layers. So that question, the eternal question of like, who am I, what am I here for that plagues humankind, like through all our different approaches of spirituality and religion and different philosophies from all corners of the globe, because ultimately we want to know. So we study other creatures and we dissect them and we look at them and we, we get so like focused on that extroverted scientific analysis, which just gives us some clarity about like, oh, look at this creature over here does this and it does that and it, it connects to this. And that's so amazing. And we somehow in that experimental aspect, we leave ourselves out of that equation a lot of the time. So uh, oh, that identity of like, what is the real identity that we share? with all of our other say brethren but the rest creatures and how how do we contribute yeah like how do we contribute to that yeah okay can you shed some light for me on what you were saying mm. like in the 80s and 90s the thing that led you out there and on this path initially was like okay there's something wrong mm. you can see there's something that's like not right in the world what's going on and yeah and if we're out in the bush there's these layers that lift off and we're like wow what is that thing that is it seems like it's not real, but it's just dominating. Mm. And if you're talking about mm. the the symbiotic relationship of all of the other aspects of nature, and then humans being like a little bit more like parasitic in in their mm. you know in Definitely. their role from the yogic lens with your like what you've learned, what would you say that is? Mm. What is that? thing that's not good the, i think that's a that's a pretty important question that's probably like the most important question in, in some ways i guess you can you can relate that to a couple a couple mm. ways you can look at it from a biblical perspective even i think it, it crosses over different traditions yeah, yeah. right it's like when when you know the story of adam and eve obviously that that is very very symbolic of that in in the yogic sense it's the story of the yugas, I would say, where you have this sort of de-evolution, if you will, where we're coming from an age of truth and reasoning and the way that these are all mapped out, these are like millions of years and hundreds of thousands of years where, you know, this age of the golden age, if you will, and, and the Satya Yuga, where people are predominantly moving from a place of identifying with their purpose and their true nature. And as you descend into what is scripturally now called the Kali Yuga, this is obviously the age of darkness. And yeah. so that, for whatever reason, these, these are the natural plays that are, that appear 
It's like you have somehow through this, you can look at it as a way of saying like, well, you, you have, you have free will, right? And that's what makes, I think the power of it be so strong. And so amazing is that if you, if you don't have one, then you can't experience the right. other, right? So in this time, it's also like such a powerful, pivotal time, because I think a lot of people can feel it no matter where they're coming from, just as being human, it's like that there's something intense happening in this world right now. We had that obviously, like, I think that was when you and I talked last, it was like during COVID. I remember I was actually staying at a friend's house in Cambridge because I, I travel for work sometimes and just kind of reaching out and was excited to find you in that time and just being like, okay, we are experiencing some real signs of the age we're living in, in this and just being like, yes, there's still the thread of truth and reasoning and in the, the power and the beauty, in a sense, the silver lining in this age, if you want to call it the Kali Yuga or the Iron Age or the industrial time however you want to shake it out, is that the intensity of being able to move towards the light becomes so much stronger because it's just like, if it's so dark and just a candle goes on, what can that do, right? If you look at it from that analogy, it's like, you can illuminate everything. So yeah. I think that's the beauty of it in a sense. It's like within the darkness, just like knowing that this can be obviously like a really huge pivotal time, a time for biggest shift you could imagine. And, and that's what is again, referring to yoga and, and all these amazing recordings that have come from this, like 10,000 year old plus written recorded history of yoga. It's like in this time, it's even stated that this, this moment, which they also identify as what's called the twilight era or the twilight of the Kali Yuga, meaning like if you look at an organism, obviously it has like a, a life cycle. And as it gets closer to death, then there's the descent period. And in human life, obviously, like when somebody gets, I don't know, in their 70s or 80s and you see this like rapid decline, all of a sudden it's like it just goes from a slow decline to a little bit more to all of a sudden pretty much a spike. And so that's kind of the, the analysis of that is mm. saying like that's sort of where we're at okay, right now. Okay. But in that moment, if... Yeah, if people move towards doing things and looking at like what we're here to do and how we can help the planet and just by changing our views and our minds to be looking at being beneficial and not just consuming everything, then this has the ability to shift things. So I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, totally. And I appreciate you giving me that insight because I haven't had the yogic insight explained to me before. So I really appreciate that. And it's kind of a yeah. conclusion that I've been pondering, like haven't landed there, but I have taken that biblical analysis before and gone like, okay, so there's this fallen mm. aspect that's really obvious. And like mm -hmm. you were saying in this stage of decaying, but obviously from something decaying, there's nutrients mm. that are released that create life again. And I've wondered mm. on the cyclical Absolutely. nature, the cyclical nature of it and that story. And so that's what I kind of hear is you're saying these yugas are like these great sort of time stamps where there's a different stage. Time periods, yeah. A different stage in the cycle or the undulation of like creation and destruction. Does that, mm -hmm. that sound about Absolutely. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really accurate. That's a good insight. Okay, cool. So you, you realized that in the 80s or the 90s and then landed up in the mountains and you've been on this beautiful path of living in a real way, which is 
pretty admirable. So well done on that. So let's move into tattooing. When did the tattooing come into play for yourself? Okay. When I came into the ashram, I, it was interesting because like, I think before that I had pretty deep connection with art and the sense of like just drawing and painting and kind of releasing whatever's in my subconscious and, and feel, feeling and realizing innately that there was something like spiritual going on through that. And yeah, I guess I also like on that note, I never, I, I was always, I guess, did pretty well in, in art classes and stuff and throughout school. Never took like formal art education really beyond like normal grammar school, but I, I never felt like I could sign any of my work. And we used to have all the competitions and stuff and art showings and everything. And my art teachers would get so upset. They'd be like, well, how, you got to sign your work so people know who it is. And I was like, well, but I don't feel like I could take ownership of it. it didn't feel right. I don't know. It felt like something that was deeper than the identity of my name at the time. And I had no idea why that came up, but. It was kind of a point of, it was a little, little arguable in, in their eyes. And, mm. and, but I was, I was always like that, just trying to be rebellious and just not wanting to conform anyway. So it, it worked really nicely, even though it was also like a deep inherent feeling, but it was also a great way of just like putting up rebellion too at that time. Nice. So I guess as that kind of, yeah, carried forward and I got into like deeper kind of connecting to art and just like, I don't know, I think I ultimately thought in that same time period when I was sort of finding about spirituality, I was like, I wonder if you could take art and express a story through it that would help people to kind of look at just like how fast we're going and how off we are and just kind of like disconnected from just even the identity of being a humane being. And like, if art could have that power, like, what could I paint? What could I draw that could captivate people to literally, literally almost like stop in their tracks and just be like, no, this isn't the way to go. This is like something just draws you back into yourself to sort of re-identify with these values that are more in line with that. And at that time though, the idea of tattooing was like just completely off of my, just out of my awareness. I had really had nothing I wanted to do with it. And I remember I would talk to my friends just be yeah, I don't think there's any reason why you should get tattooed because like, why wouldn't you just show up with tattoos, right? If you're supposed to have mm. tattoos. So I was like early me. And then as I got into the yogic path, my guru had some tattoos. He had like a Sri Yantra on his arm and on the other arm, he had a, a healing mantra because he was a very gifted and powerful natural healer. And the mantra was something out of a, a scripture, the Yoga Vashisa, very interesting and powerful mantra that helped to basically by the recitation of this mantra helps to purify the innate cause of disease. And so that was kind of my first like introduction to tattoos and just sort of made me reevaluate of like, okay, well, here's somebody who I ultimately admire and respect and I've learned like so much from and just complete, complete gratitude for, and they have tattoos. So what is that saying about my sort of view and identity of them? Yeah. And then through that process, coming into the yoga tradition for where we're coming from, it is essential as you become an initiated practitioner to receive a tattoo. And it's a very specific tattoo that's only for initiates. So I received that tattoo, it's like probably 21, 22. And I just remember immediately being like, wow, this something about this just changed me. I couldn't stop looking at it in the mirror. 
And it was like, okay, I'm now this, just this major identity shift that kind of, like I became obsessed with. And that was sort of the first introduction, but it wasn't until many years later that the idea of administering or, or applying to tattoos to people came in to the picture. We had a tattooist that it's just kind of one of those, like, I don't know, you're in Australia, yeah. right? Yeah. So and I think in that time, like late nineties or something, it's like the idea of a lot of these like early spiritual, maybe slightly new age tattooists. It's like this lady, she's a really interesting person. And she kind of had that, like the crystal ball, wear feathers in your hair and drive around in your like van and kind of like half biker, half like new age spiritual crystal type of person. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I'm not trying to like, she's an adorable person and I don't mean to like stereotype or profile anybody, but it was just sort of like, she was that like to a T and her style and approach to tattooing, it was pretty loose, kind of whimsical. And, but she would just have this thing, just be like guided. And whenever she decided she was done, she was done. And maybe the tattoo to you wouldn't even look like quite finished, but she'd be like, no, it's done. So it's kind of like, okay, it had its value from the perspective of the, the energy application and earlier in her years when she was more like kind of the roots of the ashram, she didn't really do that. She would be pretty solid in her approach. And as she, she got older, something sort of changed in her. And she would at that point keep telling me, she'd be like, oh, I'd have this dream that I taught you how to tattoo, but she never meant like technically teach you how to tattoo. She just meant like, I'm going to give you something about the energy of tattooing. So you understand because you're going to do this eventually. And I think probably I just kind of passed it off at first. I was very busy. I'd had at that time, probably coming into the point where I'd had four kids. I was running a construction business and in within the ashram, everything that I did, everything that I made, all the money, it, it goes in to support the community. It's, it's complete compute community immersion. So I was just like, so defined by that and just like working to help support the growth of our mission and, and what we were doing. Didn't feel like I had much time in my awareness to devote to it, but yet kind of as the years went on, it sort of became like something that was there just like in the back of my mind. Okay. And I'd say like, yeah, probably five, six years ago now is when I got super serious about it. And I actually opened up a small studio in like 2018. My friends had a small yoga community in Southern Maine. And so the first inception of the idea of taking tattooing outside of the community and doing like a few initiatory tattoos for people within the ashram became something where it's like, hey, maybe I could switch over my business and not having to be like pounding nails for a living and be able to just focus on something that felt, I don't know, more aligned with the progression that I wanted to make as a person. Yeah. So then I guess some years before that, I was sort of tinkering around with it. I suppose as maybe everybody does. And because of living in a community, I had lots of people that were friends and kind of brothers and sisters that were willing to offer up their skin. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea. I was self-taught all the way. Everything was just trial by fire. So it was completely like my guru had said like, yeah, we should get you into tattooing. And just kind of that old school, like real, just like, you're just going to go and you're going to do it kind of feeling. So he bought me uh, like a set off at eBay. Probably it was like a old school, like liner and shader coil machine with like set of intense inks 
and some steel tubes and needles. And I think I found out later the intense inks weren't even real. They were like some China knockoffs that were like poisonous or something. Classic. So it was like, yeah, total classic, right? And so I just kind of like messed around and didn't really have very good results. And I think I got pretty scared at that point and was like, okay, I'm really not ready to approach this. This, this deserves something. I need to show up with some integrity and some focus. I need to do some research. I need to mature. And I need to decide if like really want to do this because I could tell from that initial, like try to dip your toe in that this was some, this was some hot water. Yeah, so you can, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be uh this. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say you can cause some, some damage in that stage. Hey, but it's good that you like had that recoil and refocus. Did you go down the self-taught path because of the situation of being at the hermitage and stuff? Like it, it wasn't actually feasible to go out and find someone to learn from that sort of situation. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's funny because I think maybe I was like prompted by knowing we we're going to have this conversation. I went back in some emails because I think it was about 2016, 17, right before I really got going, I had reached out to a couple people, one in particular, somebody that I re really respected and just had a little bit of a different approach to tattooing. It was like, was there any possibility of apprenticeship mm -hmm. knowing at the same time that, you know, yes, I'm a kind of a, a senior member in the ashram. And so I have huge amount of responsibilities with helping with the community organization plans projections like all natures of that as well as running a business and a crew traveling pretty extensively at that point all over the east coast up and down be gone sometimes like two weeks on it so in relation to the apprenticeship it was like man i really should get an apprenticeship and so i i did try but it was kind of like even knowing i can't do a traditional apprenticeship was one of the factors and the second part of that was like i know because of everything else i've done within living at the ashram and having such a different view of life and my relationship to the world through making a trade that it probably wasn't going to look normal for me anyways right. well like really what is normal i know there's so many so many different ways of apprenticeship it's like i'm sure that's not even really fair to say but at the same time, I did try. So I had one person I'd reached out to and I was like, could we do some kind of like a modified hybridized version where I submit anything to you or come in once every two weeks and sort of job shadow or something just to like create some relationship to this like amazing, powerful, humbling craft that I just feel like I need to know, right? So and it, the response was like, from this person specifically, like I don't do apprenticeships. And at this point I did one and it didn't work out so good, but I'd be happy to, if you want to submit some drawings to me, like I'll rip them apart for you. So that was just like, to me, that was everything. I just like have a thread of something that was going to help, like that I could grab onto to draw me into this world that just seems so magical and powerful. It's like, okay, I'll take it. And so amidst that very full plate, I would at time at night, just find a little bit of time to just draw and just send him emails. That was probably pretty annoying, I suppose, with the time. <laughs> <laughs> kind of persistent, but I would just send him stuff and it'd be like, and he would, he would rip it apart. He'd be like, yeah, that's not good enough for tattooing. You need to look at it this way. It wasn't a lot, but it's just enough to be like, okay, I have like a friend or somebody who gives me the time of day who I know knows, knows their yeah. stuff. And that was like everything at that yeah, point. It's big. So. Just, yes. Yeah, it's huge. That, yeah. That's great. It's uh, nice that someone was doing like that for you. Scaling, 
Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I, I have to say, like, I don't know the idea, even when I say self-taught, I'm like, I don't really think that's a fair assessment because I think about it from so many ways now. It's like with the availability we have to so much knowledge at our fingertips, it's like, I don't really know the idea of being self-taught. It's like, well, what is, how do you have a, a view of being self-taught? There's everything around you that you can kind of pull from. You have YouTubes, you have resources, you have books, you have like images, techniques, it's all this stuff. It's like, I think if you have the hunger for it, then it's there for you. There's plenty of resources to like push yourself and grow. There but is. yeah, I don't know. Are you yeah, still, still there? there? No, there is. But I mean, there was something that you said before too, where it's yeah. like, you, you want to learn, you dip your toes in, you pull them back out. You go like, man, this is a very real thing. Like very similar to your yeah. responsibilities, say in your path at the ashram. It's like, if I'm going to do this yeah. properly, I want to acknowledge there's responsibility and I want to place my, my attention at the seat of something that, so I can be respectful in it and I want to learn and do it in a good way. And Unfortunately, and it's, this is still the case, I think in a lot of, in a lot of places for a lot of people is if they have that humbleness and that reverence to them, they place their energy and their approach at the feet of the tattoo industry. And it's, it's actually not Mm. deserving of it. There's handfuls of people here and there. And I think the way that like it played out for yourself, when I've seen this for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, if someone gives you the time of day. And they don't say, yeah, here's an Mm. apprenticeship. And they just like kind of squeeze everything they can out of you. Like you're just an asset to them and you owe them everything. Mm -hmm. Someone just Mm -hmm. like gives you the time of day and helps you give direction. Your respect can be sort of channeled into the greater idea of what tattooing is for you and and always has been outside of the commercial space. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And so you've been tattooing for how many years is it now? You said you really got into it around 2017. So that would put you on about six, six years of full-time tattooing. So I think I opened the studio the fall of 2018 into 2019. And the first two years was like super crash course. I'd say probably five years. And those first two years were pretty tumultuous. Part of that was like the idea of shifting the strategy of business and income coming in from full-time carpentry, like five, six, seven, ten days a week, depending on what I was doing to being able to take this craft, approach it in the way that I wanted, which was the biggest thing to me without losing the integrity of coming from a place of viewing this as a sacred ceremonial act and still be able to make what I needed and generate it. So I think those first years, it was like, pretty part-time, which was really great actually, because it it did, it gave me the space. Like I always had carpentry work there. So let's say I had one, two, maybe three appointments a week. I could devote everything into those people and not have to worry about, I don't know, just kind of getting into this fast view of tattooing. And also I was so new. It was like every little tidbit I got kind of on the note of what you're saying, just like I have a, a handful of people that I just feel like I owe so much to in regards to helping establish like some real foundational principles about the craft of tattooing that without which, like, I don't know where I'd be when it wasn't like I got a lot, it'd just be like one, one thing, like try this or a suggestion or something that I would share with them. A tattoo I did to be like, oh, do it this way or use this or something. And 
from that and just like change everything. Mm. Yeah. I saw this yeah. blog the other day. I was having a look online and it was, mm. there was like 15,000 people in this forum called the Self-Taught Tattooers Unite. And I was like, whoa, there is mm. so many people out there, like you're saying, even though they're not getting an apprenticeship, they're drawing on all the resources that are there and learning mm. how to do a good tattoo. Pretty amazing. Um, but mm. then, but then yeah. if you're aware of it, if you're one of the artists or one of the people that are aware of it, mm -hmm. like I was saying before, where do you place that layer of reverence? Where mm. do you, like yeah. at the feet of what, where? It's, it seems like it's not there. It's like, so for you, it's mm. like you, you have this spiritual path laid out in front of you for your life so they can kind of bridge quite organically. Mm. And I think that's what you're doing now. But before we open yeah. that up, because I do want you to go mm. into exactly how you practice now and how you've bridged those two things, which is, I think, the missing link at the mm -hmm. moment. But when you started tattooing, what was the hardest thing, apart from not having a teacher there, what do you wish you did have other than that? What else would have been helpful in those early days? Mm. I guess looking back at it now, I think I came into the idea of I don't even really like to call it spiritual tattooing. I think it's hard to confine the idea. I think tattooing, the art of it, and I'm sure you're more of an expert on this idea than I am, but like tattooing is in and of itself. I feel the craft of it is by nature spiritual. That's completely transformative. Just the simple act of it. So I feel like sort of, I wish maybe I had thought about some of the ideas of what the foundation of the craft of tattooing was built on before I started trying to approach it and bring in the depth of spiritual knowledge, because I think I made it too complex and too difficult. And in that regard, just simply like, I don't know, American traditional tattooing as example, right? It's this perfect, pure, clear, I don't know, time honored, traditional view of approaching something. And it's a lot of times same images but there's a perfection in it that is seen clearly. I, I feel like through looking at the imagery when it's done correctly, it just draws you in and you're like, that's a mm -hmm. tattoo. And I wish I had the respect for that kind of style. I don't even know if style is the right word, but view of tattooing earlier on. And not that I didn't probably, I don't think I was like a snob about it or something. I think it was more just like, it wasn't in my awareness to even consider that. And then now, of course, like anything, that's, that's what I think initially made me stop and just put everything down. It was like, oh my God, this is permanent. This is going into somebody and manipulating who they are. And I'm not doing a good job of that. Mm -hmm. So like it might look kind of cool or intricate when it's going in, depending on who you are and what your views are. But then I know this isn't probably going to heal great. And two years later, it's not going to be really distinguishable because there's too much going on. There's like too many colors. Everything's too close together or something. But I think just some of the things that I did find out about in the earlier days of just different, like try to use this machine instead of that, use this ink instead of that, use this as like your solve lubricant instead of that. And just like clicked overnight. I think I wish I had, I probably, I think it was there for me and I just didn't pay attention to it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So probably that, I guess would be, I don't know if you say a regret, but as I think back, I'm like, yeah, man, I wish I had paid more attention to that part. Yeah. It's one of the, one of those layers that I know it was there for me too, and, and I see it play out like as a pattern for a lot of people that are starting out. And I, I don't know if it's something you mm. can get without just going through it. 
like the more awareness, <laughs> like even the things you're drawn to yeah. in the first year of tattooing visually, it's yeah. like three years later, yeah. let alone six or 10 or 20 years later, you're looking like, how was I drawn to that? It's completely not going to read well, or you refine yeah. your, your understanding of what is going to work or not work and, and what's happening in. There's so much going on when you tattoo. Like you said, it's just innately a very significant and sacred act, breaking the skin and working into someone's yeah. Yeah. being permanently, that you get drawn into it. It's like a lot of other sort of altered mm. spaces you can go into. You, you go into a little bit of a, of a bubble when you're tattooing someone and get really drawn into what's happening if you're focused. So... It can be like yeah. that. You kind of stop tattooing and you look Definitely. back and you just go like, yeah. whoa, I just zoomed in way too much there. Or <laughs> yeah. being able to zoom out and, and hold back is, is a bit of a skill set. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it is. I think like you said, I think that's just part of the refinement, right? It comes with age and time yeah. served, right? I think it's why the Japanese artwork so beautiful and similarly the traditional American stuff. Mm. They know what Same. not to do, not to put in. Same. Yeah, Definitely. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a precision in and of itself, I think, like, yeah. Totally. So, yeah, in, we've, got, we've got probably another, like, 10, 15 minutes here, and that's probably not enough for you to get sure. into fully what it is that you do at the moment. But, <laughs> like, in a nutshell, explain the intentionality behind how you work, like what things you've introduced and the things you've discovered yourself with your spiritual practice and tattooing side by side and how they've cross pollinated each other and, or actually, (laughs) actually, before I, before we go there, I wanted to ask, was the tattoo you were telling us about before the initiatory tattoo within your yogic lineage? Was that your, that was your first tattoo? First tattoo. Yeah. Okay. We'll probably do another podcast later because I want to ask you about your tattoos and stuff as well, but. For this one, let's go down your practice. Let's unpack that a bit. Yeah, for sure. It was something I think that organically was happening with those first initial ceremonial tattoos that people at the ashram were receiving through the process of initiation and other tattoos also within that, that people would get depending on phases of life, rites of passage, coming into manhood, getting married, these kinds of things. And So taking something that was very organic and like, how do you structure that in a way and sort of record it so that it could be available to anyone who felt drawn and not just if you're part of obscure little yoga ashram trying to change the world in the middle of the Western mountains of Maine. So that's obviously not everybody's there. So it's like, okay, you've got to expand this and sort of create a format. And I think like you're probably aware of, I think you mentioned to me and like maybe I feel like in one of our chats or something like where you've evolved to, and I'm in the middle of a huge evolution right now with that whole principle that's expanding even further. I'm so excited about, but the foundation of it is really coming to the place of absolutely what you talk about and what your podcast is, what is intention and taking the idea of intention and thought and working with someone who, you know, a client and saying, okay, where are you in life? What's going on? What intentions are you feeling? What intention 
not necessarily for the tattoo and not necessarily for life, but sometimes it's both and sometimes it's one or the other. And just allowing a time and a space to have that conversation so that it can shape like, okay, here's how we can now move from this place of focusing and defining intention and use that as a catalyst to help create work that is moved from, inspired from, and, and ultimately sometimes like the design literally comes from that thought, which I work on with people to get pretty refined and almost so it becomes like a mantra. So the intent isn't something that's loose and indistinguishable, but really clear and crisp so that that can become the, the focus. Cause I think if you look at how anything manifests, any creation, there's always thought and idea and an impulse behind it. And then from there depending on the amount of intention and the attention and the intensity of that, then this dictates the manifestation, the result, the efficacy, the success of it. So that's really at the root of it. And it ties pretty seamlessly with yoga because that's the whole idea. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like, what is the intention of a human being? So it ends up really most of my conversations and time with people kind of leaping into that bigger picture of like, moving yourself in a positive direction to become, I don't know, more of an active human in, in doing things that are beneficial for life, which obviously a lot of times starts with yourself, like can be things like, not that I counsel people on their health, but a lot of times it ends up, I'll have people that literally will get tattooed and they'll stop drinking or stop smoking or have some kind of changes in life that will very much coincide with the tattoo process, the work, things that they want to move on. And these become yeah, a catalyst and a mark of that change. And also I think through the act of the tattooing and empowerment to be able to do that. And the yoga is the system similar to tattooing. It, it is a, a very powerful cleansing purification in and of itself. So if you administer, apply a tattoo on somebody, it's almost like an assisted yoga, right? You can help remove blockages that are there that are keeping somebody from being able to open up to this potential and bringing balance and harmony and integration. And oftentimes, and it's an organic process, I'd say with that initial consultation, but it acts similarly to, I don't know if you're familiar with anything about Ayurvedic medicine and pulse diagnosis or energy healing from the tradition of India and the yogis, but the idea of reading the vibration of someone and that can be done in Ayurveda. They do it through the diagnosis of the pulse and palpating the pulse so that you can understand like what is blocked. Is there something wrong with the liver or is there the kidneys aren't functioning properly? And that's if you, if you're trained, you can pick up on these. I think it's called videations in the pulse where you can tell there's something off in that. So tattooing similarly, if, if you have somebody you're working with can be very similar through this process, be able to hone in on things that are disturbing their energy fields and therefore your thoughts, your life, your psyche, your, your physical state of being. And by reading that, be able to use the tattoo and the placement of the tattoo, the image of itself and everything to help to alter and remove those blockages and purify them. Yeah. So, yeah. If that makes sense. Hey, it makes sense to me. There's a lot that, that <laughs> it does, it does. And it's nice just hearing someone explain it from their point of view for listeners, because I, I'm speaking about this sort of thing all yeah. the time with people I tattoo, and I'm guessing you obviously are with the people you tattoo. So 
this is an open space so that mm. the same things can be explained from different views in different words. And so it makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense to me. And, and I think there's that, there is that, that correlation between, like you were saying, say that the Ayurvedic diagnosis through the pulse and then with a tattoo, you're getting this, like this energetic or etheric layer that you're working on. Even though we're working into the skin, I feel like it's mm -hmm. much more working on someone's spirit. Or when I did the interview with Sonia the other day, she was explaining it as their essence and seeing, yeah, what, where there's mm -hmm. misalignments there. And you can be like really, really accurate and speak specifically to things with people or, or not. It doesn't matter because you as the person that's facilitating that space as much as they need to clarify and define their intention with you, so long as your intention is really aligned and you're curating it, you're leading mm -hmm. that process. Yeah. And I think that's why, as you were saying, 100%. the little adjustments like, oh, okay, drinking and smoking dropped away from this person's habits without even looking at it. And that can be because through your own yeah, lens, you're perceiving something that's probably being, it's detrimental to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a fascinating thing for sure. And so did so I get it right that so you, when you started out, you're doing these like initiatory markings for people within the community and within the lineage that you were, you're currently walking mm -hmm. and then to open that up, you can tattoo and you do tattoo people that even if they're not from a yogic line or if they have a different way of thinking, you're still open to it and you're working with people intentionally anyway? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's been some of the most powerful, the work. I, I feel like my initial first year, two years, like I said, was kind of a crash course. I think part of that was just opening up to, I don't know how many people are out there when you meet and they open up to you about what they've been through in life. And just like, I developed so much respect and I don't know, admiration for being able to be in a position of working with people in that way, really, no matter where they come from, because I think ultimately the idea of yoga is for humanity. It's not supposed to be exclusive. So I think that was just such an exciting inception to, to broaden my idea of relating to humans, just as humans and just listening and understanding like where they come from, the trials and tribulations and the fact that people wake up every day and approach life and still want to try after hearing some of these stories, just like, man, there's so much, yeah, just awe and kind of reverence for people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have this completely correct. And I know you said you listened to the interviews I did with John Osiris. So you might be able to, you might be able to tell me yeah. if I've got this right or not, but I think for him, he was saying it's like the the tattoo vinyasa was almost like a segue into the yogic stuff that he had learned, like the lineage that he was holding. It was like quite mm -hmm. enmeshed. So people would be doing the tattoo vinyasa and then that would, I guess like they would start walking that path. I don't know if that's accurate or not, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm more wondering I for yourself whether that's part of the way that you work or whether it's a broader, more like, this is my path and this is what I can offer for you regardless. And it will, and I know it will help anyway. Mm, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great question. I think it's really both kind of like everything we've talked about. I feel like it's completely organic. Mm. I feel like as I get more comfortable 
as a tattooist and just like understanding technique and certain types of approaches. And when I'm working with somebody, I feel like I can really expand into dropping back into my awareness and expanding outside of these like narrow tunnel vision of like what's in front of me to kind of include more within the experience of tattooing and offer more, be able to show up more as a practitioner who is working on myself and, and offer that clarity within the tattoo session. I, I, I can't discredit, obviously that's a big part of it. And I've seen a lot of people shift and have great experiences that they then take into their lives. And maybe I never see them again, but a lot of people will just touch in and say like, thank you so much. This just set so many things off in so many ways. And then other people and probably sometimes those people, I think it's more of like a real long tattoo journey where we're working on like large scale type work. And a lot of times they do end up either becoming like pretty intimately involved within the Atram community because we have such a, a vast outreach within our community where people are coming and going and doing retreats and learning yoga, learning pranayams, understanding like these real powerful principles and that becomes integrated into their lives and therefore their work. But I don't choose that. I think that comes organically from what people feel from these experiences or what are already their natural proclivity yeah. is yeah. Um, innately. But also, yeah, the purification does something. But that also questions sort of like sparks into some of the stuff that I'm currently working on because we do have this amazing, beautiful retreat facility and the idea of having a formatted tattoo pilgrimage for people to come to a place where they can remove and disconnect and bring that into the tattoo experience. It's something that's already happening. And I, I just want to be able to offer more within that. And I have a, also a, on the, on the rocks right now, but it seems like it's something that's going to happen. I think we're looking into April of 2024, a client we did some pretty powerful work with and without getting into the length of it, we're looking at doing a pilgrimage to Nepal that correlates to some of his tattoo experiences. Yeah, so nice. yeah, I guess just to draw it back, I think it's, it's really organic. I it think. is, it, it almost works better when it's organic, right? I yeah. think so. It's yeah. natural, yeah. right? Yeah. I've been through different renditions of really trying to over curate, like holding retreats and this is the yeah. program for the retreat, et cetera, et cetera. And like done that. Um, yeah. and, and been in so many different sort of environments and traveled with people and tattooed and yeah, pilgrimages and et cetera. It's funny where I've landed currently, which was a result of really just letting go of all of it, just like almost renouncing everything and throw, throwing my hands up and going like, should I even mm -hmm. be doing any mm -hmm. of this? I'm happy to not do it. Like just take, take it away. Show me I'm wrong. I'm all good with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've landed in this space where it is just by the very nature of it, an extremely sacred retreat and pilgrimage. It's like people just have to travel a really long way mm. and they end up having to stay here because it takes so long to get here and there's nothing else. But I don't say, I don't really say Sorry. anything about that. It's just people say, oh, I want to get a tattoo done. I'm like, cool, this is where I am. You've got to make it happen. <laughs> and, and they and they do or they right. don't yeah, you know? exactly i mean that's yeah 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 so the organic yeah. side of it yeah. when you take your hand no, off the, most, the wheel it's it's great totally mm -hmm. yeah i think that ties in so nicely like i think more and more i try to just be 
I feel like one of the biggest motivating factors that I love about tattooing, it's like the craft is so demanding, like the intensity and pursuit that I want to just keep progressing and expanding in that relationship of like what I can offer. And then that is also so parallel to the process of yoga. It's like, what, what can I be as a human being? Like, how do I show up to this? How do I show up in life? So if I keep progressing in the craft, I have to keep progressing in life and vice versa. One feeds the other. So I think if you look at it from that perspective and if that becomes your focus, like what is my intent as a human being? And am I offering something that serves life ultimately and is beneficial? Then all those things, like you're saying, it's like, yeah, you, you're probably going to be in a place or you're going to be some interesting person who is like, it's an, it takes an approach to get to that, but that's like, if you think back in time, it's like, we didn't have to really work on like how we put this out on our website or define it in literature in some kind of like format or something. It was just like going to the jungle or the mountains or something. And there's be somebody there doing it. Like you might've heard about it from someone who told you of an experience that they had. And so you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's like, <laughs> you, yeah. you try so hard and then you get there and you realize you didn't really need to try because <laughs> it. It's just happening as a result of being, <laughs> yeah, being pure in your orientation towards what you're doing yeah. in life generally, yeah. right? So much. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like yeah. the cycle That's thing pretty, as yeah. well. If I think about the times where I've had to apply myself and try, and then when I've wanted to throw it in the bin or throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, yeah. and then you end up trying again on the other side of it when it yeah. settles. So it's, there's those cycles or I guess they'd be like, little micro yugas within your own life cycle right of of growth and destruction yeah, no, and growth and destruction but yeah. ultimately through those cycles it is growing into a, a stronger more formulated aspect For but sure. we'll chat a little bit more when i get when we when i stop recording anyway but before we wrap it up yeah yeah where am i directing people to contact you to see what it is that you are doing i'll put all of it in the show notes but for portfolio and just kind of semi daily use it's um my instagram page so that's uh satmanov uh yogi tattoos uh-huh and do you have a, a website or anything that's currently under construction i have something that's up that's very much from kind of the beginning what I was saying about five years back and it falls into what you're just talking about, about cycles. It's like I had the concepts and the ideas of what I was yeah. doing. So, but I was putting it out there with this description that was sort of confining it and it wasn't really coming from my heart or my experience, but that's there. I think the website is Satmanov's Tattoos and Talismans, like www.satmanovtattoosandtalismans.com. But currently actually working on with a good friend of mine, updating it and bringing the language a little bit more into something that's translatable and just the approach and the visual appeal. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. Um, I'll put a link there to your Instagram and to your website. And when you update your website, I'll make sure that that's all edited in the show notes so people that listen can land in the right place. I'll get you on here again soon, I'm sure. Thanks again, mate. Thank you. Thanks for your time and uh, honored to be able to have a conversation with you. There you go, a lovely chat with Shub. He's a gentleman with a lot of wise information to share on his spiritual pursuits. If you want to contact him, 
His Instagram handle is in the show notes below. His website will be there once it's done. So check that out. Reach out to him. And I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bye.